0: face with a style that is always funny, fresh, and never boring. Join Delhi as he discusses various relevant and trending topics as he keeps you informed, engaged, and entertained. Welcome to Soul Food and Lemonade.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of Soul Food and Lemonade. Thank you for joining us here today. I have a very special guest that I would like to introduce to you. His name is Amard Vital, is that correct? That's correct. All righty. He is an international motivational speaker, entrepreneur, and author. Has powered people globally with his inspirational guidance and tips for self-development. Amard provides his audience with the tools needed to achieve personal success. Hamard, how are you, my brother?
0: I'm doing well. How about yourself?
1: Man, I am wonderful. I was so looking forward to doing this interview with you after receiving your information. Now, um, if you wish to, can you elaborate some more on your professional background?
0: Well, at the core and thank you for having me on
1: um, You're welcome. at
0: the core man, I'm a writer. I've uh, been writing pretty much as soon as I could walk
1: oh, so wow. I've,
0: always, I've always been a writer uh, uh, wrote books early on and also jumped into journalism all through co- high school and college got a degree in journalism so I continue doing that all through my professional career so whereas I am a speaker coach consultant mental performance coach, and all those things at the core I consider myself a writer awesome. uh, I, I do all of those other things but there's no part of my life that doesn't require or doesn't have writing involved in it. So, um, obviously, we're going to get into a lot of other things, but at the core, I am a man who keeps a pen and pad at, by my side at all times. It is for me; it's the greatest, it's the greatest weapon God gave me on this earth to be able to use uh, as far as uh, doing what I'm called to do and what I'm what I'm skilled to be able to do.
1: Awesome! Awesome. Now, I wanna ask you about your personal life. You're growing up as a child until now. Care to share some of that information.
0: I came up in a a, a beautiful, loving home, uh, two-parent home. My father was a petroleum engineer, my mother was a teacher. Um, That marriage didn't uh, lasted up to about 11 or 12 years old for me. And then my mother got remarried to a professor. So my mom always kept educated men in my life, which is a beautiful (laughs) thing. Obviously, the relationship between uh, my birth father was estranged through time. And obviously, we had my challenges with my uh, my second father as well. But no matter what, both of those were men who didn't um, accept excuses, didn't accept, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what's not fair. Um, it's, It's weird. I don't think I ever had the entitlement gene in my life like ever, because they just they wouldn't allow me to even say something wasn't fair. Coach doesn't like me. Uh, any of those types of things just weren't acceptable in our house, and so with that, you know, I was always able to, you know, be someone who learned how to earn very on, uh, very early on. I started working at the age of fourteen, and mm. from then on, I've always been a guy who's not only not scared of work, but pretty much was one known as somebody who always overworked. So, uh, my my that's a short, brief history. Obviously, going into Uh, my personal life, uh, as far as my upbringing is concerned.
1: Awesome, awesome. Now, you are known to be a motivator. Um, I know that is a job that is so inspiring to those who have heard you. And um, I watch a particular video on your website with you um, speaking to some young people And uh, that video, that was actually the only video I took time out to watch. And that was because um, I am passionate about young people and the direction that they're taking in their lives. And uh, also the lack of direction that some of them are facing because of their, um, you know, situations. Um, What draw you into uh, motivating people? What what? what is the cause what transpires your uh, love for motivational speaking and encouraging others
0: that's an interesting question and i believe i got started in the speaking early on uh with my mentor he had put together a spiritual experience uh, back in the day called transformation tuesday and he used to have a uh, affirmation that he had for the experience and i remember one day calling him and i was like hey you know this this affirmation this is what this means to me and i broke down every line and he said you know that's that's pretty inspiring he said would you like can you open up my experience sharing what you thought about the affirmation And i was like "Mm, whatever so you know i'm you know i'm probably early late 20s early 30s and i'm throwing a little blazer on because i'm going in front of people and you know he's got an audience of you know people who are far growner than i am and I broke it down to him and I remember when it was over, he was like, you know, thank you for sharing that. I mean, it only took me about seven minutes. And then people were coming up to him asking him, so when does this guy go on again? And I'm like, I'm not part of the program. I was just asked to do this as a one-off. And so then he started giving me a segment at, uh, as part of the experience. It was called Vital Thoughts for Transformation playing on my name of VTOL. And so I would open up the experience with about three to four points attach a scripture to it. And I would just share ways to be able to improve your life from a biblical uh, standpoint. And of course, during that time, I had written a book as well. And I remember asking him and some of my, my other uh, speaker advisors, I was like, you know, I got this book, what do I do? And he's like, hey, if you wanna learn how to sell a book, go speak. I was like, oh, is that how this works? And so I remember my first sale of books went to a high school out here in the Houston area and the coach bought 80 copies for the team. And I told coach, I said, I'll come speak to your guys if you buy these 80 copies. Mm-hmm. So I went out there and I started speaking. And I think the first talk I did was something about winning as a choice. I can't remember, man, that's been almost 15 <laughs> years ago. But I remember, I remember just being speaking like I'm in a locker room, like there was no direction. There was no structure. I mean, I had my points, but I'm just out there almost like fist bumping. I'm screaming. I'm almost like it's almost like I'm pregame as a keynote speaker. And, and you know, for a bunch of sports teams, and obviously, you know, that obviously wasn't the right way to go. When people started dissecting the tape it was like, yeah, you probably don't want to do this and that. But I did what I knew, which was be a loudmouth jock who knew a few things and had done a little bit of research. And so my speaking career started from that first time I did that. And I remember. I, I always reference back to the first paid speaking engagement I did. There was a coach who had heard about me. He had read my book and he was running a football camp in East Texas. There's a town out here in, the, in Texas called Tyler. And he was running a football camp down there. And he said, i really like you to come out and speak at my camp. He said, I'll pay your travel expenses. I'll pay for your meals and I'll pay you $300. I was like, oh yeah, of course I'll do it. Of course. <laughs> I mean, like." You know, I didn't know the value of a talk at that time, but I mean, I'm still new. And so $300 was like a big deal. You know, I got a deposit of $150. And of course, at that point in time, I think I'm doing something, you know, 150 bucks a deposit, like I got money. I mean, of course that took care of gas and nothing else, but it it was interesting because I went to this, I went down to this camp expecting like a large crowd. I bought my books out there to be sold and everything. In my first keynote talk his event didn't go as well as he would have thought it would have gone it turned out that two guys showed up for a camp so my first paid keynote was to two middle school students two middle school football players on a park bench in east texas there were more coaches and parents in these in the wooden bleachers on the grass Mm. than there was athletes but i still look at that as a pivotal moment in time because whether there's two people on a park bench or there's five thousand hearing me speaking in arena i'm bringing it all the same i'm going to give them the same value and so when the lessons learned from that is to never look and shortchange anyone when you're looking to empower a life because you don't know if one of those two guys is going to end up being the next major player the next major awesome politician the next major ceo vp of a company so, I don't treat the amount of the crowd in the way um that short changes anything i wanna I'll bring the same energy, the same knowledge, and the same um um flow that I would for anybody
1: awesome, awesome Now, let me ask you about your work with young people um what exactly do you speak to them about, for example? And um, how receptive are they to your message?
0: Well, I mean, there's there's many wings to that, but the main thing is is that I want young people, regardless of where they come from, to look in the mirror and take and take responsibility for all of it. And I know a lot of people are like you know that's a lot of responsibility to be put on a, to put on youngsters, um, and it is. And I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about building. Um, solid citizens good godly citizens strong stoic young men who can go out there and get some things done and not looking for a handout from anybody
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and so the message is personal responsibility the message is um to be a provider and protector to go out and earn yours no one owes you anything the world doesn't owe you a check the world does not owe you insurance the world does not owe you uh, a pat on the back you go out and earn you know you work you eat that's the way that's the way I train a lot of my guys and I don't shy away from that message, even though it is one where they're growing up a little bit quicker. I know they're still going to do kid like things. I know they're still going to make mistakes, but I want to let them know what's possible.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: that message is consistent with them. The message is, is that I, I don't want your excuses. I mean, I'm my father's child, so I'm going to put the message out there that you that you can't come to me with any excuse. And, and I know there's always somebody out there. that's like, well, Ahmad, you don't un- understand the story of where some of these kids come from. I do understand where they've come from. And it's not that I don't care, but at the end of the day, who's in the mirror has to live with those results, right? If you're nine years old and your mom's on crack and your dad's in prison, that's not your fault, but you still have to deal with the fallout of it. Correct. So. I want to put you in a position to win because I know we stress all of this, you know, you know, equality. There is no such thing as equality (laughs) because, because no one's going to start off the same. We all have a cross to bear that, you know, you may or may not have signed up for, right? You, you didn't decide to be birthed to these people who basically left you behind the eight ball from birth, born into a foster system born into you know, a house where drugs and crime is going on. You didn't sign up for that. It's not your fault, but it is your problem. So I, I want them to understand that I feel for you, but I also wanna put you in position to win. And the principles I teach are going to be the same no matter what, but some of us have a digger, a bigger hole to dig. Mm. I'm sorry, that's just life. Right? We don't we don't get created equal. There's no equality even within a home where there's multiple kids in a family. Hmm. The firstborn typically has it better than the rest of them.
1: (laughs) You're so right about that. Yeah,
0: he's you're the only one who is the only child for however long that is. you at least got a year by yourself. Right? So you got all the attention until others came along. And Hmm. There's different skills between different kids and different kids have different temperament. So there is no, you know, everyone gets equal time. Everyone gets equal this. I mean, you can do your best to try to treat them equally as possible, but some kids maybe require more. Some kids are more autonomous. Some Mm -hmm. of them need to be leaned in more and all of those things. And so when I'm working through with with these youngsters, I'm putting them in a position to win no matter where your background came from. Because a lot of the principles we use are going to be used across the board. They're going to be tougher for some than others, but that's life. There's certain things you can't, you can't change these Mm -hmm. things. You just got to, you have to deal with them and sorry. It's harder for some than, than it is for others. Deal with it.
1: Have you ever had any of the, uh, the young people that you spoke with, um, say that to you, you don't know where I came from. You just don't know what I'm going through. Have you ever had such a situation?
0: Not from the kids, but from, uh, from some of the mothers of the children. I have, I have okay. heard that from them. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 uh, really early on when I first started getting into mental performance coaching, it was, uh, it was very difficult, um, because when you're dealing with those type of situations and we're going through the discovery process as to how we got there many times, and not because I'm saying something, I'm just, I'm just asking the questions and probing. Mm-hmm. And then they realize like, oh, maybe I caused this problem. And so now that we've recognized that, okay, now let's get to a solution or let's get some steps going. Well, that means that that parent has to look in the mirror and, and take, take a, take a reality pill mm-hmm. and that doesn't always go well. And so they'll just be like, you know, Mr. Vital, you know, I, I think the way you're talking to my son is a little, is a little heavy yeah. or whatever, maybe, you know, can you tone it down? I'm like, um, you know why we're here. Right. <laughs> you called. You called me looking for answers, and this is the way I know how to get results. Like th- this is not a Care Bears. Let's sit down and you know hug this thing out situation. This is called tough, stoic, pragmatic love. Mm-hmm. And he's been bereft of this. So right. either one or two things. Either you can put your name on this contract and step aside and let me take it from here, and I'll update you or you can continue doing what you're doing and continue to get the same results. Right. Either way, either way is fine by me. I'm not forcing any of this, but you came to me for solutions because the truth is the reality is what you are doing, isn't working. Hmm. So therefore you've come to me because what you are doing, isn't working, but that's to, to look in the mirror and know that on some level you've fallen short, Maybe even say you failed up to this point. Mm-hmm. It's hard for people to realize, and they don't want to deal with that. They'd rather send their kid down the uh, the, the the familiar uh, losing rabbit hole than to, you know, step aside and let someone come in who can possibly fix the situation.
1: Right, right. Now, taking from some of your keynotes and programs, uh, uh, let's talk a little bit about each one of those four outlined here um let's start with the first one from motivation to inspir uh from motivation to innovation explain that yeah that, yeah
0: i created that one uh, i believe i created that one for a college
1: mm-hmm. um
0: because obviously motivation is it's a feeling it's a it's a it's a grind and, and you're you're like yeah, it's, it's like you know it's, it's it's a it's a pre-game speech
1: mm-hmm.
0: however when you go onto the field and, you know, I, I always say the field of life, we're all athletes, we're all ballers in some type of way on the field of life. The innovation is the plan, is the is the structure, right? Because we've seen people who are just, you know, excited and they want to go at mm-hmm. things and then they end up running into a, a bus or a roadblock or something because there was no structure around it. So the innovation is the structured plan to be excited about a structured plan put together for you to be able to navigate through this. with some sort of guardrails i still want to leave i still want you to be excited but i want you to have a plan put together so that you can be able to move through these different um situations in life that that may, that may cause a, a bit of a, a, a bit of a hiccup so that you have the wherewithal to not just stay excited and you know feelings based and get more to where you take that you take that energy and bottle it up and put it towards a direct end like the difference between um a light bulb and a laser Mm-hmm. The innovation brings it in tighter, brings it into a, to a place where you're now looking to, to make a, a strategic move instead of just the most exciting move and just knocking a bunch of chairs and tables over because you're just, you know, All Tasmanian Devil. Yeah. <laughs> I want you more like a track runner than Tasmanian Devil.
1: <laughs> now, uh, let's talk about the three ways to build a brand of value. Aka a brand new you.
0: Oh, brand new you,
1: <laughs> brand new
0: you. So yeah, that's a that's a that's a great question, and I think uh, I'm pretty sure that was uh, one of the keynotes I used uh, much more years ago. Uh, it hasn't been requested much lately, but it's based on the "I am more than enough" uh, three ways to overcome the fear of your own reflection,
1: mm-hmm. and the points
0: of it line up with the chapter. So you talk about um, um, images, everything. So once again, we're back to that reflection. Like you're in the mirror and you're looking at this and and it's like, you know, you look at a face and it's like, you know, you have facial hair, blemishes, you got your eyebrows, you got your eyes and different things. And it's like, there's a whole mosaic, there's a whole picture of you, right? And whether you have some scars, whether you have on, ladies have on makeup or whatever, you got a haircut, your full beard, maybe not a beard, clean shaven face, you accept all of it. That is part of what brings you, you. Mm -hmm. Well, behind that face, there is a whole layer of things. There is a childhood. There may be a divorce. There was an upbringing. There was school. There was talents. There were skills. There were sports. There were all these different things. There were heartbreaks. And so when you say image is everything, it's the idea of looking in the mirror and just owning all of what comes with you. And so you get to decide the image that you are going to portray to the world. Right, the world sees this, but that's only the outer picture. What does your what do you represent? What do you stand for? What are your philosophies? What are your values? What 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 ways of integrity? Like right? do you treat people with respect? And so images everything is the full picture, the front face and the spirit behind what you do on a daily basis. That's where images everything comes in from then you talk about accepting yourself. Accepting yourself is taking all of the choices and things you have done, but also the things that maybe you didn't do, but you are a part of. You know, a lot of times you probably have somebody in your audience who's gone through a bad breakup and they'll say, it wasn't my fault. And it's like, well, you did play somewhat of a role in it.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: when you <laughs> say accepting yourself, you accept the junk that's going on in your life mm-hmm. because you are a participant, right? I'm not saying, if there's fault or not fault, that really is irrelevant. You still have to deal with the fallout, uh, uh, a divorce, a breakup, uh, um, um, you know, losing custody of your kid. Like all of you're a part of all that. You are a participant in those situations. And some of those maybe had nothing to do with you, but you need to accept your role, even if it was minimal, for what was going on there. And that way you get into a personal responsibility. And really, what what I'm what I'm sharing here in this moment is, is taking responsibility. Right? Because sometimes you take responsibility, and you maybe didn't actively do anything. Mm. But you were there. And you still have to deal with it. Right? If I can give you a quick example, let's Mm -hmm. just say, let's just say you're um, a young lady, and you have a child and you get with a man who has a child. And the child of that man, his other, the, uh, the mother of that child does something egregious to him that causes you all to have to deal with it financially in your home. You had nothing to do with that. Like, literally, that's two <laughs> layers away from you.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: this is finances and, and, and income coming out of your house that you still have to deal with it. And so when you say accepting yourself, accepting the fact that you chose this man and all that comes with him. Right. Right. And vice versa. Men deal with it too. Mm-hmm. And so that's where accepting yourself comes in. And then the the last, last point of that would be mindful changes. Okay, so you see the image, you know how you're showing up in the world, you're accepting the, the 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 garbage in the middle of your your living room, and that's where it is. Mindful change is like, okay, you know, you're looking around, it's like, you know, we got quite a mess here. <laughs> there's a pile, there's a there's a pile of trash over there, there's some clothes not cleaned over here. Um these windows need to be cleaned. So, what do we need to do? We need to make some changes. All right. First, we need to clean up this mess. How are we going to do that? You know. And maybe you're talking about cleaning up your life. Maybe it's from an income standpoint. All right. We got a lot of debt. Okay. So, I need to allocate a certain amount of money to take care of this debt. We got a problem. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay. I, I'm from a broken home. I got a, I got some damage uh, mentally. Okay. I need to go see a therapist. I need to go see a pastor. I need to go see a psychologist. Right. Mindful changes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at this job and I'm living somewhere and it seems like I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Okay, either we need to go get another job or we need to go acquire more skills to get a better job. Level up in, in moving careers, mindful changes, start making empowered changes, meaning don't look to someone else to fix your problems. Take full charge and responsibility of it and go make some changes, right? Like, what do they, you know, they always say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a new results. Yeah. As crazy as that sound, it's true.
1: It is true. Like yeah.
0: You can't, <laughs> you know, that's even biblical. Like, you know, just, you can't continue doing, being on this rat, on this rat mm. wheel, this conveyor belt of the same thing and thinking that, oh, well, something's going to change. If you don't change, nothing will. Yeah. You'll till consider, till consider getting the same thing. And so that's where, once again, taking personal inventory. Look around. Do you like the results you have created up to this point? Yes or no? Not for me to answer. That's for you to answer. And when you decide that I'm tired of this. So
1: then start you do the something money. about it. Yeah. I agree. At what point do you feel that a person who may be sitting there listening to you but they're not quite connecting or getting what you're saying. Have you ever experienced any, any such situation where someone may have approached you after one of your speaking engagement and asked you questions about what you just said, and um, especially a young person. And uh, the next part to that would be, what age group of young people do you normally work with?
0: That's a good question. And yes, I, I do get questions afterwards. Um, because a lot of times what I'm sharing they've never heard before. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they've heard it before but didn't hear it in a way that I presented it. Maybe they um they've just kind of heard that, you know, just you know, just kinda, you know, just work harder. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, working hard. I, I do endorse that, but it's like, is it working hard towards a positive end? Is it working hard towards something you actually want? Or are you just doing what someone else is just regurgitating you to do?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, Cause what someone might advise you to do, you might not really want it, but you're just doing it to appease them. Right? And so that I do get a lot of questions afterwards and that's where, you know, we get maybe a session in 45 minutes, you know, an hour. I, 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 I try to tithe quite a bit of time, mm-hmm. um, each month, uh, to young people looking to, to, to make some moves, uh, whether it's in person at a coffee shop or at the church or, um by phone or by zoom or something along those lines mm-hmm. I do I do like to give back I do get paid to do it but at the same time um we are called to serve and right and a times I do I do I do give quite a few hours uh back and I would say the age group I'm working with mostly now is the young adult sector I mean I okay. work with kids 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 I work mm-hmm. with with the boys and girls club I'm working with like five-year-olds which oh, okay which it's beautiful because uh, it puts me in a position where like, God can use me to mm-hmm. earn patience and for <laughs> me to really understand my curriculum better. Right. Because if I can teach a five-year-old, I can teach a 15-year-old. If I can mm. teach a 15-year-old, I can teach a 30-year-old. So teaching complex concepts like we just said about the image, accepting, mm-hmm. and manual changes. Yeah. If I can help, if I can make a seven-year-old understand that, then we're good. I've been working... Uh, the ministry I work with now mostly revolves around teenagers. I'd say the floor is 12, 13 and okay. young adults probably going up to 22, 24, but really I'd say my sweet spot probably is somewhere between 17 and 28. Okay. Um, but I can stretch a few years earlier and I can go a few years later as well. Awesome. Um, I just like the idea of working with that transition from high school to college, college, into the real world. Right. right. Um, and, and I, and I love that. And. I love some of the stuff I'm doing now. Um, I'm about to start working with some ball players I used to uh, cover back in the day when I was doing uh, sports media work. Uh, a lot of these guys were, were high end athletes. And now they're coming to the point where sports is over and they're 27 mm. years old, right. they're 30 years old. They're twenty-four mm. years old. Wow! They're they're done, they're done with their sport. But you're young. You're you're still a kid in the, in the real world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You haven't even gotten that first job, that first major job yet. And so, I like dealing with them through the frustration of that because okay. it can be frustrated because all they most of their life they've known ball, right. and they haven't had to do much outside of that because everything they've done is revolved around football, or you know basketball or whatever their sport is. Mm-hmm. But you know, at some point in time, that's over and what are you going to do with the next 70 years of your life
1: mm. now how uh, how does one wake up a winner what suggestions would you have for someone who really wants to win but just obstacle after obstacle after, you know stuff happens
0: ah, so there's there's two ways to work this um there's a more strategic way that it takes a little bit more discipline or there's the I'm just trying to figure this out and make something happen. Mm-hmm. Wake up a winner focuses mainly on one keyword, and that's gratitude. Which gratitude and humility takes the entitlement out of the picture. Mm-hmm. I know it's a tough pill to swallow because entitlement is on steroids these yeah. days when it comes to uh, today's youth and even upwards of some millennials as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's just rough. So wake up a winner was something I put together, I want to say in my late 20s. And so everybody hopefully wakes up tomorrow and it's like, what What are you going to do when you first get up? I obviously get up and you probably hit the alarm clock five, six, seven times. I don't know how many of you all, you all do that. But wake up a winner is basically when you get out of bed, you have two feet who hit the, that hit the floor, right? And what you do when your two feet hit the floor, so one step you say thank, other one you say you.
1: Mm. Boom.
0: so at the the first two actions you are making mentally is saying thank you for the two feet hitting the floor. And so now if you really embody that the way, the way you should and you really are in a state of gratitude, now your mind goes into like overdrive and says, you said thank you. What did you say thank you for? Mm. And so I would say uh, most people go either to their, you know, to their drawers some people go to the restroom i always say going to the bathroom is, is best so for every step you take going to the bathroom you state something you're grateful for boom you mm-hmm. can put your foot down and say man you know thank you for giving me life boom thank you for having a peaceful dwelling over my right. head boom thank you for my family Thank you for having a loving father. Thank you for the resources you gave me. Thank you for the talents you provided for me. Thank you for the job that provides me income. Thank you for thank you for food, thank you for shelter. Thank you for what You can go on mm-hmm. all morning if you want to. But I just want every step. So typically, depending on how big your house is, you know, some people might be <laughs> in a fishy apartment and they might be there in three three steps which I don't mind. Three things of gratitude. It's just I want you every day to to start off in gratitude.
1: Because Mm -hmm. if you
0: start off in gratitude, what are you doing? You're saying this is the place in the areas where life is working for me. Now, when you live in gratitude, that doesn't mean that there's not still challenges that doesn't mean you're still have some adversities, it may not mean you're not still in debt, you may still have a strained relationship with your children. But you're Mm -hmm. still grateful for them. So why don't we start there? When you enter life, and you enter the day with gratitude, it's it puts you in a position where it's less likely you'll have a bad day. Right. Right? Those people come into the office and they're already grumping. It's just like, oh, you know, Junior gave me some trouble. Annie didn't want to put her shoes on. This and just going, I spilled coffee this morning. My husband didn't didn't give me a high five on the way out the <laughs> door. And it's just like, what?
1: Depressing. But, but,
0: well, where's the good? And you almost wanna ask, what's the good in your yeah. life? And when you start with you know the good, then now you 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 go into life. Like I said, it doesn't mean you're not still going to possibly go into work and be grumpy, but at least you could tell God, you could tell like, hey, I'm grateful. Thank you for this. Mm-hmm. In the midst of all of this, you know, I can still say thank you. I can still praise you. I can still be, man. I am so grateful for this. In the midst of this nonsense, in the midst of what we talked about earlier, there's a mm-hmm. pile of rubble in my house. Yep. There's dirty clothes in the corner, but you know what? I'm grateful that I even have clothes to put on. Cause some people don't, mm. right. I'm grateful, man. My house is dirty. I'm grateful for having a house. I'm grateful for having a roof over my head. Even if I'm renting it, I'm grateful for what life I'm breathing. Mm. Okay. That's how you wake up a winner. You wake up a winner saying, the fact that I woke up is the win.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the fact that I woke up is the win because the alternative is not so great. I, I, am, I haven't talked to anybody who's come back from that yet. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> I, anyway, know, right? <laughs> I know,
0: right? I know. Let's wake up a winner.
1: Now, let's talk about your two books that you authored. Um, first let's discuss Awaking the Baller Within. What is that book about? And, um, later on I'll ask you to share, you know, the social media information and so on and so forth, but let's discuss this one first. Awaken the Baller Within.
0: So Awaken the Baller Within, um, and just so you know, all of my books seem like they were written out of some kind of tragedy, except my newest one that just came out uh, last month. It wasn't written out of tragedy. It was written out of, well, it was written out of frustration. Um, of wanting to bring solutions to the, to the game of life. So mm-hmm. awakening the Bottle Within came at a time when I was going through a deep, uh, depressive state. Um, I was living what would be known as the American dream. I was 29 years old. I had just purchased a house. I had a very, very nice ride. Um, I was living it up, bought a house at 29 without any financial help from my parents who was just like, how did you do this? Hey, you boys, <laughs> are what can I say? You know? And so, um, I end up going into a deep depressive state and so I'm sitting in a three-bedroom house by myself in my guest bedroom in the corner crying saying well, how did I get myself in this situation and I remember I mean I must have went like a full week where I wasn't eating I wasn't doing anything I just was just very unproductive I was mm-hmm. in a very very low state um I had gotten involved in a relationship that I thought was going to be the relationship and if there's any guys out there you know, who that that first relationship, when you actually think you figured it out, and you're like, okay, she's the one, until she's not the one, and then you're like, <laughs> you're like in a full depressive state, and so, because uh, it was my first one, it was the first time, it was the first relationship I took serious, and um, and I remember one day I was going to bed, and I was just like, you know, hey God, this is a uh, this is not working, uh, life as I know it right now is not working, even though you've blessed me with so much, this isn't working. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. I said, if you wake me up tomorrow, I will start a new path. I will commit to something greater than myself, and Mm -hmm. I will serve you and do the the good of the people. And obviously, I woke up because I'm still here. And I went on a quest because at that time, I was working uh, with Fox Sports Southwest, Rivals, and Scout.com during those times with the college football recruiting analyst. So I was talking to a lot of high-end athletes during that time. So I loved athletes. I love football players. I love sports, but I found I hired me a mentor who kind of took me down a personal and spiritual development from a spiritual standpoint. He got me reading the Bible more. I'm, I'm really deep uh, into my faith, but he also got me on personal development. So that's where the Napoleon Hill, that's where the richest man in Babylon. That's where the, the those, those deep rooted, um, you know, as a man thinketh mm-hmm. all those types of books, I was taking those in. And I was like, wait a minute, you know, in some kind of way, a book was birthed to me. I was like, but what can I write about? I was like, I'm in sports, but I have all this new information. And so I took what Napoleon Hill did with Thinking, Grow Rich and did that with athletes. So I went and interviewed close to 100 guys and wanted to find out the mindset which made them successful. And so Think and Grow Rich was obviously, he interviewed millionaires and um, you know, entrepreneurs, business people, mm-hmm. and just successful people. I did that with football players. And so it ended up being a man, a life manual for athletes because parents would buy it and they would read it. And it was just like, this book has nothing to do with football. It's written in a football and jock like language, but it's only using football and sports as a metaphor for life. Hmm. That's why the statement that goes with it is keep showing up on the field of life. Right. Because life is one big field. I, I look at, you know, like when I go speak somewhere, I look at wherever I go is my arena Mm
1: -hmm. and I
0: go out you know, I put my uniform on uh, and I get prepared. Like I got my playbook,
1: you know, Mm -hmm.
0: I, 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 and I'm going, I'm going at it and I'm treating it like an athlete. So Awaken the Bottle Within focused on a lot of those things, a lot of goal setting, dream building. And the main thing I love about that book is that all of my guys pursued everything with a relentless pursuit. Mm. They went after everything with a relentless pursuit. These guys had the straight burn the ships going to battle moment all the time with what they did in life. And that's why a lot of them who don't play football anymore, they're in life and they're all very successful. That's all great. the game.
1: That's good. Yeah,
0: because, because success, success on the field. Remember, we're talking about the mindset, mm-hmm. how you're throwing touchdowns, how you're making tackles, how you're uh, rushing for all of these yards. It's, it's the mindset. You had the talent, but you still have to have the mindset because I know yeah. dudes with the talent without the mindset and, mm-hmm. you know, they're not doing so well right now because they didn't have the mind to go with the talent. And so when they went into the real world, you know, going into entrepreneurship, going into their family life, these guys are successful, extremely successful. So the guys I profile for that study, man, they are all doing, they're rocking right now, I'm proud of all of them, all of them, they're all successful in their own right.
1: Now let's talk about, uh, I am more than enough. Another book that you've authored.
0: Yes. Yes. And, and we'll, and we'll, uh, go back through those uh, go through those points. That was the same thing with the keynote. It was mirrored from that you talk about mm-hmm. images, everything, right. uh, accepting yourself and mindful changes. And, and really, that book is just hardcore about personal responsibility of just not pointing a finger at someone else. That's the whole blame game. You know, mm-hmm. people blaming their parents, somebody else blaming their coach, the whole my teacher didn't think I'd make it you know, that, that <laughs> whole narrative that just right. you know, makes it, it, it makes good for t-shirts and social media, but it's not, you know, you know, I did this all by myself. No, you didn't stop lying. Yeah. You know, like no one gets to success alone. You know, none of us, you, me, everyone who's listening, whatever success you had, it, it's not because of just you. It's not because of just you. And so uh, I am more than enough is the idea of you saying it's really basically saying, that God created you complete from the jump,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but you not only need Him, but you need other people, other souls, other support group around you to right. be able to bring you to that place. But it starts with you owning what already is because right. it's a good chance you created it, mm-hmm. right? And we have a big issue with that right now going on, right now of people passing blame to others of their own problems, right? Like they, that they, they, it's 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 shifting to someone else things that you think that has something to do that were outside of your control.
1: Right, right.
0: And and again, even if it was, so what?
1: Now, different... of, I'm sorry. Now, of all of the uh, speaking engagements that you've done, um, you also do speaking engagements internationally, correct? That's correct. What is, um, what, which audience do you find most receptive to what you have to say? The younger audience or the more mature audience? Tough one, huh?
0: It is, it is. (laughs) Because I'm, 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 you, you got me thinking like, I'm thinking, okay, I'm thinking of all the places I've been.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I, I will tell you, um, of all the talks I did, uh, and all of them have been impactful. There was one where for, for, for there was one I did um at a private Christian school out here in um in Houston. Actually, it was in uh Spring in North Houston area. Mm-hmm. I don't know what came up and the thing is I had nowhere near the intellect I have now. <laughs> like I was I was probably like 2 years in of my journey cuz awaken the baller within was still quite new so you're probably talking 2013 ish mm, okay so I'm very very young yeah i'm not at this point i'm not even i don't even think i was hmm maybe i'll this would have been either right before i don't remember how it was around that time it was around the time around the time when uh, waking the bottle within was uh was born and i spoke to this group of parents well i spoke to the parents and the students all together i did a chalk talk and it was only like 20 minutes and I don't remember what the talk was. Mm -hmm. I really don't. It was motivational in nature. I didn't have much time, but we spoke to the teens, the the kids first, and then they went out to practice. And then I said, I'm going to do a session just for the parents. It was going to be a Q and A. And I remember a parent asked me a question and I just laid out to them how much they play such a significant role in their kids' lives, how they, can be the catalyst. And I was sharing with them how the book I share with them will give them some tips on how to level up and be able to speak to their student athletes in a way to where they can understand it better mm-hmm. and how um, the success they're having on the football t- field can carry over to the classroom because I don't want them to just be good over here. I want them to be excellent and everything. And I remember I spoke to them for what seemed like only about 12 to 15 minutes. I had more people hugging, shaking hands and I kid you not bought every item I had off of my table. All of it. CDs that I CDs that I had even <laughs> forgotten I had. People mm. it was it was people laying laying um money on there saying I was like I don't have any more books. It's like here, just take this and mail it to me whenever. Mm. Like that talk was so impactful. So I would say if I if I had to guess the demographic who I'm getting through to most currently would be, probably be that late teenager age, okay. that that sophomore through first year college okay. student, um, because because they're at a point now where they know that their decisions are going to have uh, some some some, some uh, kind of impact, right? ramifications. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's like it's like right. life is here, and
1: right. they
0: understand that. Mm-hmm. So I would say that currently, um, but I, I have had some uh, pretty impactful talks over my years, and and I'm just I'm just grateful to 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 be in that spot that that people trust me with their kids. Um, people trust me, you know, with information for their families, um, sometimes with their careers, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, just just different things of life, you know, with their fitness. Because <laughs> obviously <laughs> I do that as well. I mean like, you know, it's 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 a it's a beautiful thing. And I and I, I do feel like it's more than just a business for me now. It's a calling. It's a service. It's a how ministry. many
1: books how many books have you published altogether? 3. 3.
0: published
1: yes. And um, can you share with us the social media information and uh, your contact information and all that stuff please?
0: Yes, uh, the hub for everything is going to be amavital.com that's a h m a r d v i t a l.com. Um and that's the same thing at all my social media sites, Instagram, Facebook, mm-hmm. it's all Vital. there's no alias. Uh, it's just Amadvital. So you spell my name right, and right. I'll pop up. And, you know, I, I just, uh, that's, that's pretty much the best way to be able to find me. My email address, you can send, send me an uh, email at info at amadvital.com or get at the bottom of my website. There's a mm-hmm. contact form down there. Um, people who are interested in speaking, there's a, there's, a, there's a form to be able to fill out on my website as well. Uh, we're starting to make some some moves, uh, jumping back into the small businesses. About to make a, a tour through some colleges as well. Um, getting that, uh, my manager and I are getting that set up right now. And it's—I mm-hmm. just want to be the advocate uh, for young people, especially young men. That's that's where that's where my calling is. Is to is to become the man I needed when I was seventeen. Mm-hmm. That's that's what drives me. And people ask me is that the hill you're willing to die on of course that's the hill i'm willing to die on because if I, if we don't help build a bridge to the next generation we have nothing
1: thank you for your time and uh, this has been soul food and lemonade with my special guest mr amard vital thank you Thanks for joining us this week on Soul Food and Lemonade. Be sure to visit our website at anchor.fm forward slash soulfoodandlemonade where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, to name a few, or via RSS so you'll never miss an episode while you're at it. If you found value in this show, we appreciate a rating and a comment on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about us, that will help as well. Please make a donation to sustain future episodes.